Let us pray. Holy wisdom, you are the pillar of fire that leads us into each new moment of our lives. By the power of your Holy Spirit, settle now into our hearts and illumine your will through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our first reading this morning is taken from the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of China and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and fire them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which mortals had built. And the Lord said, Look, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they left building the city. Therefore it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Our second reading is taken from the Old Testament. It's Psalm 104, and we will read this responsively. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there. Living things, both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and, and return, return to, to the dust. dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory, May the glory of, of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles? Who touches the mountains and they smoke? I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my redemption be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let, let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let, let the wicked be no more. Bless, Bless the Lord, Lord, O my soul. soul. Praise, Praise the Lord. Lord. The third reading is from the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, 
and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others smeared, sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed them. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And from the New Testament, John chapter 14, verses 8 to 17. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but my Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God God for his his word to us. Just before I begin the sermon, well done, Michelle. This is, that's one of those readings that strikes fear into the hearts of the people who we ask to read Scripture. That reading that we read every Pentecost Sunday that has all of those place names from across the Near East of Jesus' time. Um, and it's not an easy task. I usually try to remember to give that reading to myself, and I forgot uh, this year. So, uh, but uh, you, acqu- you acquitted yourself quite well. Uh, the truth be told, um, it was about 25 years in the ordained ministry that I discovered I was pronouncing one of the names of those places wrong. Uh, so uh, uh, it, uh, if, if you say it with great confidence, no one will know the difference, I think, is what that proves. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The sermon title for this morning has changed since I sent it off uh, to Jessica. Um, Not that good news for all is not a perfectly fine sermon title, and I think that's probably one that you could append to the sermon title every single week. Um, But uh, working through the sermon over the last couple of days, I came up uh, rather with the title Unconstrained, and so we'll work with that this morning. As we come to the readings that uh, the lectionary provides us for this Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, we, have, we are presented with two contradictory and complementary readings from Scripture. That sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? Contradictory and complementary, but stick with me for the sermon. I think we'll, we'll work this out. Together, these two readings, the reading from the book of Genesis, the story of the Tower of Babel, and the reading from the Acts of the Apostles on that first Pentecost Sunday, invite us to consider the wonder and the mystery of God. We begin this morning in the series of readings with the story from, of the Tower of Babel. It's one that many of us learned back when we were children in Sunday school. It is a story about human pride and how the diversity of language came into existence around the globe. The author of Genesis tells us that the people of earth wanted to build a great city because they knew that they were unsustainable. If they didn't have something that held them together, they would wander off. And so, and be scattered across the face of the earth. They recognized that unity was a fragile thing. And so as they were planning this great endeavor to build this great city that would be for them the locus of human existence, 
God looked down from heaven upon the earth and he saw what they were doing. And he recognized the danger that such power might pose in the hand of a humanity that had fallen. And it's as a result of that that God confused the languages of the people of the earth so that they could not understand one another. And as a result, they wandered away to populate the entirety of the earth. For some people, that story, the story of the Tower of Babel, may seem like a fairy tale or some ancient myth. And yet, I think if we really think about it, it is far more realistic than we might first believe. A careful reading of any newspaper these days seems to support this double-edged reality of our humanity. That great nations can wield great power and yet seem unwilling or unable to harness it for the good of creation. And isn't that what's at the heart of that human pride? That they are doing things for themselves, seeking to be like God, but not really looking out beyond their, their own selfish desires. Instead, such power, such commonality seems to lead to chaos and destruction in our world. We need look no further than Russia's invasion of Ukraine or the turmoil in democratic countries that seems to be happening all around the world to see the weakness of power and the danger that can be posed by misguided unity. South of the border during the next week, this January 6th committee is going to begin public hearings on how a mob of people who were only too willing to believe a false narrative could rise up and seek to overthrow the government of a country that they would claim is the greatest democracy in the world. Now, we of the British parliamentary system might choose to differ with that, but that's their claim and we will let them have it. And they do, did that because they didn't believe in the results of their own election. They're the greatest democracy of the world that cannot believe in its own elections. There's a problem there in the logic. There's a problem in the unity. God constrains here in the Tower of Babel the power of humanity by giving the people their diversity. Each is given their own language and the story tells it just as the people feared. They, are, they, they find themselves drifting off to populate every corner of the world. So we listen to the Tower of Babel. There's one important little side note that I think always needs to be drawn out. Nowhere in the story does it say that one language is better than another. In a world of diversity, sometimes we like to think that we're the best. We like to think that, well, we have the, the, the market. We've cornered it. And in this, 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 the story of the Tower of Babel can lead us to think of others as being different and less than. But that doesn't say that in Scripture. God, it simply says, God gave them the diversity of language. 
God confused their tongues. But no one language is better than the other. No one people stands over and above another. The quality continues in the story. But from Babel, then we come to the Acts of the Apostles this morning. And that first Pentecost story. And did you notice what happened there? In the story of the first Pentecost, the cacophony of of Babel is undone. People from all around the world, as the first century Christians would have known it, are allowed to hear the good news of Jesus Christ as it is proclaimed by the disciples, each one in their own language. It is not that the diversity of Babel is undone so much as through the Spirit it is overcome. The multiplicity of languages in this, in this world is overcome so that everyone can hear God's redeeming plan revealed to us in Jesus Christ. There is purpose in the action that is happening here. The disciples were set free and the gospel message was unconstrained so that the offer of new life might be heard by all and might lead to a renewed world. The scriptures that we read today are good news for us and good news for our world. The message of Pentecost is good news for us individually as Christians because it is the proclamation that we have been freed from our sin and given the gift of new life in Jesus Christ. It is the gospel message presented to each and every person. Sometimes it may seem to us that there's, it's a slow unfolding, that new life, doesn't it, that we have received? But we have received it nonetheless. The salvation that Peter declares is available to this diverse group of people, to everyone gathered in the street of Jerusalem on that morning, and it is revealed and available to us if we will place our trust in God. So that's the first thing. But it is also good news to the world. Because it does not end just with us. The good news of the gospel to our world is that once we have received the spirit of God in our lives. Once we have heard God's God's good news and, and claimed it as our own. Then we are sent out to the world by that same spirit so that others may have that same experience and receive the the message of God's salvation. Just as the disciples were enabled to proclaim the good news to all these different people, the gospel is unconstrained for us who are the post-Pentecostal church and we are sent forth in mission to share God's good news with those who need to hear it. But here, both in here in our own community and around the world. You know, as a minister, there aren't a lot of church services that I remember. It's a real truth. <laughs> and, uh, I, 
maybe, maybe even more so than, than congregants. Ministers usually forget what they preach um, by about Monday afternoon because we've moved on to the next sermon for the next week. It's, it's an occupational hazard sometimes. But there's one there's one Pentecost Sunday service that I remember. I'll remember this one for the rest of the day. But this one I, rem I remember 24 years after the fact. 24 years ago, I so wished when I sat down to do the math that it was 25. It would have been like kismet, but it wasn't. It was only 24. 24 years ago, I... Uh, I was preaching in a church and we did Pentecost Sunday and I remember it for several reasons. It was a remarkable Sunday. The first is that it was an intergenerational worship service. We'd had people in, our, in the congregation wanting more intergenerational worship and the music director and I sat down in the church office several weeks before and uh, we're talking this over and, and I said, well, what about Pentecost Sunday? Let's do intergenerational worship on Pentecost Sunday. And he said, how intergenerational do you want to be? And I said, how far can we go? So that was one thing. So we ended up, it was a service where I wasn't dressed in my gowns as I normally am, but with just uh, conducted worship in my shirt sleeves. We had brought in extra musicians uh, from, uh, from Wilfrid Laurier University, which probably tells you where I was ministering at the time in Kitchener, Ontario. Uh, we had music students who often came in and shared their talents with us. Um, and we had, and, and I don't know, I've told this story to a few people around here, but uh, I don't know if the fame of Lulu's made it all the way to eastern Ontario, but I certainly knew about Lulu's long before I worked in Kitchener. Lulu's was a converted, I think it was a converted Kmart that was a concert venue that all of the big bands that toured Canada would stop and play Lulu's. And on this particular Sunday morning, I walked into the church and I turned to the music director when we ran into each other in the hall and I said, who's the bass player and rhythm guitar sitting up with, the, with, with our guys from the church? And he said, oh, that's the rhythm section from the house band at Lulu's. They just got off stage about three hours ago. That, it was that sort of a service. It was a great service. I, it was a lot of fun. But that's just part of the story. Long before I actually got to the church and started worrying about any of this stuff, I jumped in the car that morning and set off, and it was one of those June days. The weather was changing. And all the way along my drive, which was about an hour long, the wind just blew and blew and blew, and I came up through the, the city of Cambridge, and there were tree branches all over the road it was kind of this kind of really wild thing and I thought oh this might not be a good sign so it was this tremendously windy day there were things happening in the air and then in the middle of, of worship, as I was preaching the sermon, we had a set of uh, a glass wall with a set of doors at the back. And in the midst of the sermon, the doors at the back blew open and then shut again. 
Sometimes there are things that happen in worship that only the minister knows about. And that was one of those things. Nobody in the congregation probably noticed those, those doors moving, but I did. It seems to me it is an appropriate image for Pentecost Sunday, both 24 years ago and for us today, that the doors of the church were blown open and the Spirit was allowed both to enter in and to depart. The reality for us as Christians is we cannot stay here. The message of the gospel cannot stay here in this place. If as a congregation the gospel that is proclaimed remains here only then we have continued to constrain the word of God. But rather we are called no, we are impelled to go out into the world in ministry, sharing the blessings of God with other people, showing to them that God does indeed bless us and God does indeed bless them. It is a story that is both contradictory and and complementary that the spirit works in us that we may go out and work in the lives of other people that we can go out and reach out and be involved and engaged in mission and ministry in this community and around the world because God first moves in us as we come this day for Pentecost we rejoice in the gift that God has given to the church. That we are called to gather as the church. To be God's people in this place. To come and learn about, about the good news of the gospel. But that is incomplete. We must then turn out into the world and take that good news with us as we go. This week, the General Assembly uh, of the Presbyterian Church in Canada is meeting. And elders and ministers from across this country will gather together to consider many important things in the life of the church. Where we are going in mission, they will wrestle with theological questions and discussions during the course of the week. And one of those theological discussions which which truly I kind of mourn a little bit, will be the loss of language. You see, within the ordination service, for both ministers and elders, there is a sentence that is perhaps the most profound sentence in all of the book of forms, the little book of guidance of the Presbyterian Church in Canada. It says, by the operation of the word and spirit, the church is gathered, equipped, and sent out for ministry. It's such a simple little sentence, isn't it? By the operation of the word and spirit, the church of Jesus Christ is gathered, equipped, 
and sent out to be the church in the world. If we fail in any of those tasks, then we are not the church. If we fail to gather, then we are not the community of faith that gathers and feeds one another and cares for one another. If when we come here, we do not learn and hear proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ each week, then, then we have no message to take forward. And if we do not carry the message out into the world, then we become simply a social club that gathers together some secret organization that no one will ever know about because the word has not been shared. But God's promise is this, that God calls us in, God feeds us on his word, and then God sends us out. And we will do great things. It almost slips by the, the last sentence of John's gospel lesson that we read this morning. That last sentence from John chapter 14 verse 17. Where Jesus gives the promise that once we... The believers have received the Holy Spirit. What will happen? We will be able to do even greater things than the disciples witnessed Jesus doing. What an amazing promise to be given. What amazing power has been promised to the church that we will do great things. Greater things through the power of the spirit who comes this day so let us leave this place in joy with thanksgiving because god calls us to be blessed and to be a blessing thanks be to god amen